Perinatal Stories Australia. Welcome to Perinatal Stories Australia. My name is Rebecca, and every episode we provide a listening ear to the lived experiences of mental illness during pregnancy and postpartum. I hope this podcast reduces stigma, informs listeners about support services available, and inspires those on their own healing journey. More importantly, I hope you can hear these stories and know you're not alone. Thank you for being here to hold space for the stories we often keep to ourselves. Welcome back everyone. I'm joined today by recovering perfectionist, accredited social worker and pregnancy support counsellor Gemma, who happens to be a mum of two boys, her own podcast host, and she's just an all-round incredible and funny human being. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today, Gemma. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our chat. From what I know of your story, and I'm just going to jump right in, your experience with mental ill health began during your first pregnancy and it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I think interestingly and like for lots of other people, perhaps there's like a little bit of general anxiety or other things that have always been somewhat present for us. Mm. But I think the difference for me in pregnancy and the difference I know for lots of people is that It's one of the times where we feel as if we should feel really, you know, happy and as if we definitely shouldn't feel like, "Uh uh-oh, have I made the right choice here, you know? Or like, what does this mean for my life? So, yeah, I think for me, my experience was just that once I was pregnant, which I was very lucky to have that happen very quickly, but by the same token, there was therefore zero run-up. So we were going to try and then I was kind of happy like, okay, well, you know, I'll be pregnant sometime in the next year and then it was sort of like sometime in the next week and it was like, oh, radio, okay, well, one, obviously extremely happy that that happened, but two, it sort of hit me straight away like, wow, okay, I I was ready for this within a year, not not necessarily ready straight away. So, yeah, it hit me quite hard. I think for me, my mum had always kind of like really, really thoroughly reiterated to me that like, you know, do everything that you want to do before you have a kid because your life is going to change forever. And I can see obviously now having been a mum, you know, how much she was one, trying to protect me from having kids when I was much younger than I was when I had them. But um, two, you know, being somewhat realistic about the fact that, you know, like things really do change a lot. But because I had that in my mind, as soon as I was pregnant, you know, all I kept thinking was like, oh, my God, this is it. You know, like this, I've now I'm giving my, my life away. And that felt, you know, it's like one of those things that you feel like you shouldn't think because you're like, well, I should feel really excited. But I also feel like I'm losing a lot at the same time. Like I had already made choices in my career that were based on needing, you know, maternity leave. So I felt I'd already lost a bit of autonomy when it came to my choices there. And then I was definitely losing a lot of choices around what I would do in the future with my career. And I got really sick in my pregnancy. So I just lost like 
my ability to do exercise, which was my number one mental health strategy at the time. Because you were running triathlons, right? Yeah, like like before being pregnant, I had done a triathlon and I had just been in South Africa for a couple of months doing volunteering and CrossFit and hiking and all the things. So, yeah, to come back and it was like immediately become pretty sick and just not be able to do you know any of the stuff that I'd been doing for several years before oh, like I worked at gyms as well prior to that so that's sort of always been a big part of my life so it was like losing the career component because I just finished my master's as well um, so I was really looking forward to working in social work um, but that was going to be put on hold then I couldn't do my exercise either and I was like oh like I just felt like in a bit of a downward spiral thinking this is just this feels like a lot to lose even though you know I do fully intellectually understand that I'm gaining a lot and that this is going to be a wonderful thing too. And how did you cope then you know if you didn't have the sense of identity you'd lost your coping strategy which was your exercise how did you cope during pregnancy once obviously the sickness didn't impair you physically anymore. (laughs) Yeah, so that took up to like almost 20 weeks for that to like really subside. So it was a terrible, terrible time. Um, But after that, something that I do really value, obviously, is seeing mental health professionals. So Mm. I got to the point where it wasn't like, okay, good. Okay, well, I feel better and now I feel better. It was like, oh, I feel better And now I still feel like I don't know what is going on and I still just feel really uneasy. And actually it was one of those things where I felt like, you know, all I want to do is just have a talk, like a debrief, just a chat. Like I just really wanted to debrief about like, is it normal to feel like this? I just wanted to openly talk about all these things. So I called the Panda helpline. They were really great and they put me in touch with some options of people that I could go and see in Brisbane. But trying to get access to people, there was like a four-month wait list for Mm. heaps of the services and in perinatal mental health. You know, it takes nine months for the baby to come out. So if I'm waiting four months, that's not good. (laughs) It's not great anyway, but it's really not good in this period where so much changes week to week. So I did, though, end up waiting for one of those and I did go and see her, but then I did not like her. And it was one of those times where I was like, oh, you know, this is somebody who, you know, I have knowledge about all this stuff. I have access to a whole lot of stuff. I'm super privileged in terms of like being able to afford to do this. And even still, there's like, it just felt like barrier after barrier after barrier. Because once I'd seen her and I didn't like her, I did see her again a couple of times just because I couldn't withstand trying to into somebody else but yeah it just was kind of like this sucks she she was very much of a tick box kind of person there were lots of forms here's some things that could help but it didn't really feel like a personalized thing it didn't feel like a lot of real listening all that sort of stuff that I really value and I've had um I've worked with counselors in the past who have been a really good fit for me so I knew that it wasn't a good fit, but it was just the nature of the whole circumstance that I was like, damn it, now I really don't really have time to um, sort this out. But that is how, you know, it was helpful enough to kind of get me through to postpartum. Mm. I mean, tracking back a little bit, it was you who picked up on your own mental health and realising, hey, I'm not doing the best and I need to reach out to someone. Yep. Um, I have been 
somewhat proactive about that kind of forever. Like even as a teenager, I would see the youth workers at my school and then had seen counsellors at various points. So I feel like I have a pretty good idea of, you know, like when I'm hitting that point. Um, For other people I know, you know, it can be tricky to know. But even for people who first come and see me, one of the questions that I ask straight away is like, why now? Like, what was the reason that made you book this appointment now? Um, Because that's like a great gateway into all of the things. But I think for me at that time, it was just like, I can't keep doing this mental load of like thinking about all of these things and feeling so concerned about it on my own like I cannot do that I have to get this like Mm. out of me that's that's how I knew and I always know I get to that capacity of like oh I just need to get this out of my body (laughs) so that was your why now yeah that was my why now and I mean what you said as well is so important in that you waited x number of months to see someone and you've seen them and they're not necessarily the right fit for you, but for convenience, what other choice do you have? And that's so unfortunate and I'm sorry that that happened. Yeah, thank you. And I know like this is a lot of the reason why you'll find people don't try because mm. they're like, it is such a tricky thing. One, in pregnancy to do because, you know, there's a, there is an element of shame to going somewhere and being like, ah, oh, this feels like a lot. And, you know, I know you're not really allowed to say this, but like, I, <laughs> I don't feel okay at this time. Mm. Um, just from that sort of societal view of what we should feel um, becoming a mother. But then, you know, equally in early postpartum for so many people, including myself, you don't have time to we by yourself let alone do the research it takes to get to the right person all that sort of thing so I think the best thing to come out of that though was being like this is what we need we need more people working in perinatal mental health that are easily accessible somebody who you feel like you can just have an actual chat and a bit of a download rather than it needing to be something so alarmingly formal as well especially for people like I was lucky because I was somewhat okay with the fact that you know I've interacted a lot with the mental health system by that stage. But, you know, lots of people in the perinatal period are feeling these things for the first time or feeling them most overwhelmingly for the first time and then trying to get access to help for the first time. And it's like, what a time to be trying to do that. When you have a baby coming, they are going to be here at some point. So, yeah, like we were talking about, you can't just, you can't wait as long as sometimes you can wait in other periods of your life. For sure. Mental health or the mental health system is still such a tricky thing to navigate. Even when you know or have had experience with it before, it is not easy. So props to you for doing what you do, making it accessible and making that just a conversation, especially if people haven't had that experience before. So good on you for doing that. Yeah, thank you. I feel like the moment that you conceive and you start your motherhood (laughs) journey you're really already into the idealised motherhood thing or the perfect mother situation. You're, you're thinking of everything that you know about motherhood, which for most people is like not actually a lot. It's just what mm. we see on the TV, which is hardly anything. A lot of us don't have big, broad families anymore in this day and age, so we many people haven't even spent a whole lot of time around babies. And then there's that whole thing of, People want to be really open and honest, but people also don't want to scare people. There's this like really fine line that everybody's treading and like trying to prepare people for it, but also not scare people. Mm. Um, And I think that in some ways that was a massive disservice to people who become pregnant and then start feeling like, oh, this feels really overwhelming already. 
um, but I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about it. 100%. And so, sorry, going back to you, so you've gone through pregnancy, you've seen this therapist who, uh, she's there. You've then seen her a little bit postpartum as well. What's happened postpartum? Okay, in weird ways, I think things got better and they got worse, if that makes sense. The whole, like, what's it going to be like and the, all the unknown, that goes away. Thank goodness. I have my baby and I, I now know who they are and I now know what this is. I'm on the other side. So there's some relief for me being there at the destination. But then the destination is also a shit show. <laughs> so like, I'm really glad that, that I'm here, but also this is really freaking hard. And I think for me, when it's your first baby, you never know what's normal. So mm. my baby just didn't really love to sleep. Like he just was hard to settle. He cried a lot in the night. And so probably for the first like four months, I didn't really sleep for longer than two hours at a time. I think it was an average of just under five hours in 24 hours for like the first four months. Um, and then all the other things of like a birth that at the time felt a little bit traumatic, but then looking back now was quite traumatic. Mm. Breastfeeding, another thing that you're like, yeah, that'll be fine. And then it's just like, it just was so hard. And my mum was a breastfeeding counsellor for like 12 years and worked for what was then... ABA. I don't know what they're called now. So it felt like there was extra pressure for me to get that right. Not necessarily by her, but just, you know, the whole setup. She used to use me as a breastfeeding baby to, to show others how to do it. And here I am just like, my nipples are just bleeding and I'm like, this can't be right. But um, yeah, so that all happens. I've just never been like that depleted. You know, my body is recovering from it was like a episiotomy and a few other things. And then I, I'm so sleep deprived that like I'm almost dizzy. Mm. Like my my mind, like it, I was just completely ruined from that. And just, yeah, just all of the things of like I'd never changed a nappy before. So it was like learning just how to do everything as well as like I didn't know what to do with a baby. I didn't know what how long they would sleep or what I need to look out for or what anything would really look like so the demand of having to feed a baby what felt like every hour and a half for months and months and months on end was just like this is just not what I expected um yeah and that just felt really hard because I was like here I was kind of prepping myself in pregnancy like it can't be I mean, maybe it will be bad, but hopefully it'll be all right. And then getting on the other side, like, oh, my God, <laughs> this really is just a next level. So I did see that person again early postpartum, but that's when I called it off. But what did happen is I joined a mother's group, the community one, and that just kind of shifted and changed everything for me. It was awesome. And going back before, you'd mentioned that you'd called Panda during pregnancy. I believe you also called in postpartum as well. And I was wondering, when did that happen? And why, I guess? What was your why in this situation? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think I might have called them around the time, and this is actually a great point in general, 
Um, I, I call them around the time that I was going to be going back to work because mm. whilst I did sort of adjust to <laughs> the craziness of new parenthood, it became overwhelmingly obvious to me that I was not going to do well as a full-time primary carer. I just, it just it wasn't viable for me for my mental health I need interaction with other adults I need my own space and so I actually applied for a new job early so I had 15 months of leave and then I went back to work when my son was 11 months old and it was around the time that transition that I'd called again just because it was like oh my god how do I make something that is already so hard work adding work into it even though for me work felt like an absolute reprieve it was the absolute best thing I got to go back I got to be around people I went to the gym at lunchtime at work so it just felt like freedom it felt like an international holiday at that point <laughs> like how excited I used to be to go to the international airport I was that excited every day when I got to the train station like yes the yes. whole day to just like achieve tasks other people will notice and go to the toilet by myself and eat and exercise and not have to ask anybody to hold anybody else or, you know, that just felt amazing. But it was before that. I think it was probably around, you know, how to explain how difficult all of that was to my partner to help him understand. Mm -hmm. Just like, <laughs> that's not as easy as like, cool, I start work and everything just flows along. Like, how do we make this work yeah so I think it was around then that I'd called and if I can ask I know you went through the depression and anxiety if you're happy to share what were some of the behaviors or thoughts you were having that you were able to say I know I am not okay or I know that I need more support and what support did you get because 11 months is a long time like yes you went back to work at 11 months but that is still a long time as a primary carer you're so sleep deprived you're having a really hard time yes you've got your mother's group but who was holding you yeah I mean that is a really good point and I think the problem with a lot of people is just that you can kind of hold for lack of a better term you can like hold that level of distress for a really long time and it's weird because obviously because I do have mental health background, like I can watch it happen <laughs> almost. Like I'm there being like, yes, I fully understand that I'm not okay, but also it's so much more complex, I think, when you're in it. So just a lot of frustration and anger. And I think this is something that's so interesting because people often come to me now and are like, you know, I just don't want to be so angry, but the anger is all of that stuff, all of the resentment, all of the red flags of you need more, <laughs> like you need more support from people. You need to be understood that there are needs there. So I was definitely super, super angry, um, like very frustrated at the time. And to me, it's just like, I just knew that I wasn't okay. And I just kept thinking like, I just, you know, the times where you just think I could just... I could, I could just, like, run away for a little while. Mm. And I know that that is a typical thought of lots of new parents. And I also know that that and other thoughts about just, like, oh, I just need a break. It's not, it's not like a never want to come back to this. I think it's just the relentlessness of early parenthood but I definitely knew and you know it was it was that constant thing of like I just need to get away from this like I have to be 
away from this that for me it wasn't like, okay, I know I'm not okay and I need whatever other support. For me, like I really strongly identified that with like I need to set myself up for success here, which is going back to work way earlier than I wanted to. And that totally did the trick. Right then I wasn't doing okay mentally but with a shift in what I was doing in my life, then I was very much Mm. doing 50 million times better with that shift. So yes, it was a mental health thing, but it was also a fully environmental and structural thing. But I did know that like I had to make a change. I had to do something. I cannot continue with this level of constantness in parenthood. So I think... For me, having the mothers group was huge, was amazing. They're the best bunch of humans ever and we're still in contact all the time and it it was the best. I was lucky that I also had my own mum who could be around a bit to give me some reprieve and my partner was really quite good. I think we were very typical of first-time parents where you really are just navigating what your new roles look like. And I think we definitely fell reasonably heavily into like normalized gender roles, Mm. which I mean, you know me, but for anyone who doesn't, like that really makes me angry. (laughs) Like even (laughs) if it's totally fair, Um, even if, you know, like, yes, biologically I was breastfeeding, so I need to do the feeding, like fair, all right, cool. But yeah, just the whole thing of like, it felt like just watching myself have to take so many things for the team, but. I think, honestly, it was mainly the mother's group that got me through that time because it was like nobody else knows at that exact time what that feels like. And with them, it was like we had, at that point, we were still meeting weekly or fortnightly. We have a group chat, still goes off all the time now. But, like, you know, it was just, like, such a good support Mm -hmm. system. So I think, yeah, without that, it would have been a very different year, I think. On that note, you've gone back to work. You've then had another little boy. Oh, man. That was definitely not. So when I went back to work, I was just like, oh, this is the best. It's like the first time I've felt good in such a long time. Like it's the first time that I felt like me again and that I had a balance between being a mum and being a human. (laughs) And it felt so amazing. And then I you know, when I went back to work, I, I would always joke with everybody like, oh my God, I can't imagine, you know, like trying to do that again. But then it was probably only like a few weeks of living that life. I just had this thought in my mind, like, I cannot feel this good for too much longer. This was my rationale and this is not everybody's. But for me, I was like, I don't think I can withstand losing this. So I need to have another baby right away so that I just continue the shit show and, you know, get this really, really hard bit out of the way. Because in my head, what I wanted was to be in that place after my second baby, which would, we always were just going to have two children. Then I was like, oh my God, imagine how good I'll feel when I'm doing this, knowing I don't have to do it again. So a few weeks after that, Then I was pregnant again because the same thing happened as the first time, which again was kind of like good because that's what we'd wanted. But also, well, I only just decided to make that decision and now we're in it. 
And interestingly, the second time I got pregnant in November of 2019. So then COVID happened. And not only had I made a choice to have a second baby and have all the hard things happen twice when I wasn't, you know, I'd only just kind of like gotten Mm. into a mentally good place after a really long time of feeling bad. And then the entire world changes and I am stuck at home with a toddler trying to work really sick in my second pregnancy Mm. and not knowing at all what the entire world is going to do. It was like being on a runaway train because everyone else is like cancelling their holidays, cancelling their weddings, cancelling their things. I'm just here like if the world goes to shit, then I'm still having this baby. So it was super weird having just had a baby, have my partner there for everything and then like get into COVID. Now I'm like on my own at all of the appointments, the whole pregnancy It was kind of like really unsure whether my partner would be there for the birth. It was just so stressful. Not to mention, I had just got back to work, had some space from having to parent. And then it's like, joke's on you. You get him back and you're pregnant and you're sick. It's like, And you're stuck in the house 24 hours a day. Yeah, with no other support other than your partner who is working full time also. And we can't go to the gym. You know, like, we were all there. (laughs) It all happened. But I think we really, I think now we downplay just what that meant for people in this time period of their lives. Mm. Unlike everything else, this moves forward. Yeah. And I believe you had a hard time accessing support during your pregnancy. So you then had to find your own counsellor. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did call Panda again during the time where we, like, couldn't really do much. I think I called them twice. And that was actually mainly when I was really sick because Mm. the combination of being nauseous 24 hours a day and parenting a toddler and the whole COVID situation was just too much for me. Um, Mm. And they were really good. With just a few calls to just kind of, like, get it all out. And then I think it was much further after that it was like again closer to the end of my pregnancy um that I sought my own counsellor who was just local but she was a good fit for the time so that worked out really nicely and that was again I think people don't often realize that like a lot of mental health things too are just kind of like bouncing ideas off other people like how do I have this conversation with my partner about this or how do I make sure that I'm you know, setting myself up for success this second time around and those types of things. So she was really good for that. And do you feel like you felt better prepared mentally and emotionally going into this next postpartum? Yes. I felt more afraid in terms of birth because I knew what that was going to potentially be like. Nothing that I couldn't, like, get through, obviously, but I was just kind of like, oh, man, like, that does not, (laughs) that doesn't seem like a fun time for me. But I had changed care providers, so I was doing completely different things. And, you know, so many people, I feel, really find their groove in a second or third or subsequent baby because you learn so much. So Mm -hmm. I, I felt like I was way better informed. I felt like I knew the things that I really wanted. And I did feel definitely better prepared mentally mainly because a lot of my issues around parenthood was just like my identity. And now I'm at that point, I was coming up to two years into mumming. 
So I'm like, you know what? I kind of feel like I sort of know who I am in this role now. So that felt a lot easier. And then I had my baby and he was so freaking easy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It was so different. Like literally in the hospital he slept and I was like, what is this witchery? Like, like this is magical. I'm not complaining, but also, holy shit, the first time in retrospect, that was so hard. Mm. Like that was so, so hard. So then, then it was that weird thing of like, oh, I kind of feel bad that I like love this so much and like I could actually like really soak it up and enjoy it and I had a completely yeah completely different postpartum experience it was fine and pretty great for the most part I'd also learned a whole heap of stuff about my body so one of the only real challenges that I found mentally was I had like quite a big abdominal separation so just the like physio required to do that was like fortnightly for like a year it was such a slow return to exercise which had been Mm. you know at this point I'm like feels like I don't know three years into having not been able to do what was otherwise my main mental health strategy yeah yeah so I feel like that that was the harder thing but in terms of who I am as a mum and how this is going to impact my life it was all gone because I had got to that moment with my first where I was back at work and I felt good and I was like all I need to do now is withstand this until I can have the balance that I know feels really good for me. During your second pregnancy, sorry, if I can go back a step, you were studying because you had learnt about pregnancy support counselling, which you could do as a social worker. Yeah. um, Well, actually, it was in early postpartum. I had done a little bit of looking when I was pregnant because I did sort of know, like, okay, there's a possibility that when I go back to work this time, I may not go back to work work. I might try and do something different. So first I was doing some study that was like postpartum doula type work. Like I'd used a birth doula in my first pregnancy. But, um, you know, having had a baby, it's like, mate, you really need the people thereafter. So mm. um, that felt like a really good thing to do. So I spent, yeah, a lot of early postpartum second time around doing some study there and then I also found the short course that social workers can do to provide the pregnancy counselling um, perinatal counselling that I do so in that time I was already coming up in my mind with like what my business might do um, and how that could work I was playing with the ideas and it wasn't until much closer to my return to work that I made the call to actually just give it a go I feel like I want this shot at doing my own thing and also supporting other people who are going through this uh, really intense time yeah from memory you have done this because the experience with that first counsellor was not how you thought it should be so I can only imagine how valuable it is to try to be the person for others that you yourself needed at the time yes absolutely and I take a lot of satisfaction in being able to do that and yeah I really love the fact that there is something available for people um, who can get that sort of support when they actually need it and in not such a formal way I'm, I'm a fan of the slightly informal and not everything has to be big and scary and also not everything has to be boring or somber or even like really hard things can be like super funny. You know, we have to be able to make light of stuff because that's what often gets us through 
those times, you know? So I, I do really love being able to do that. It just felt like the next right step. And I was really lucky that, you know, we were in a position that I had been able to do that. And it was one of the reasons too that I created the podcast as part of it because something that I felt like, and, you know, obviously you're the same because you're doing this, but something that I felt like was just missing was like any form of context for parents. It's such an isolating time in the perinatal period, which is weird because we have a baby. So we assume Mm. We're not alone, but actually we are in a lot of ways. So just having something like this to listen to, to be like, okay, well, what what were other people's experience like? What is kind of normal? Or when did other people know when they weren't okay? And what did they do? And I think it's just giving people like options. If if all we know about parenthood before we do it is some little snippets of what we see on the TV or what our parents have said about it or what they haven't said about it, then we're just not set up for success. We don't know. We don't have context for our experience. And I'm assuming that that was very meaningful for you in terms of having something to look forward to, like that light at the end of the tunnel to get through the hard stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And even now, sometimes when I go back through my phone, I'll see like all of the little screenshots of like names of stuff and logos that I was thinking of. And like, this is like well before I started, but absolutely it was always like, this is just that thing. Like, I know that this experience has been so valuable and I know that I have, you know, the education behind me that I can do something with it. And yeah, it was absolutely another reason why my second postpartum was just night and day from the first one not saying there wasn't hard times but I didn't have the sleep deprivation that I had like I still was super tired but it just wasn't anything like the first time I did have breastfeeding troubles but again I knew what to do and I knew how that would pan out so I worked through that and then did all the things that I needed to do and I knew that I could get I knew I could get to a good place. So absolutely just having those that type of thing to tap into was really cool and made the experience happen pretty quick. Also, it was different than the second time because my second son, I wanted him to go to the same daycare as my first one. So they ended up having one day a week available when he was only eight months old. And I took that day. So from quite an earlier time even, I had a day a week to me still at that time it was like oh my god this is the first bit of like my own time and I know that I never have to be pregnant and do that whole hard thing ever again and to me that felt really really good. I'm assuming you were still in touch with your mother's group during this time. Yes there were three of us that were pregnant at similar-ish times for our second babies so that was good that was probably the main difference is that it wasn't the whole group this time. So that was a little bit sad. And then also with COVID thrown in, Mm. we weren't really able to see each other very much. And I had a good friend who was also pregnant at the time. So that was helpful. We were, we ended up having them like four days apart. So we had, you know, everything in common along the way. Um, And that was really nice. But um, in early postpartum for her she actually found out that her her son had leukemia so that was really hard as well because you know like we've shared this whole experience and 
there's like this trajectory of what you just assume is going to, things are going to be like for somebody. And then she was just like off in this totally different direction. And yeah, it was hard to watch knowing what that, or being, being so able to imagine what that would feel like. And part of her having that experience was another real reiteration of what I was really thankful for, the fact that I I was so relieved and so grateful for the fact that I have a, a beautiful, healthy baby. And I think that was like this real glaring moment for me of to savor savor all the bits that you can from this. You don't have to you don't have to love every second, but gosh, we're lucky when things mm. are just going well, you know? Mm. From what I, again, what I've read, um, yep. your third counsellor who you see now, best yes. thing since sliced bread in your word, and I was hoping you could share a bit about that and how she's helped you because I believe it's som- somatic. I can never say yep. it yet. <laughs> Into the body. Yes. Um, yeah, so I did actually see a perinatal-specific counsellor before her who I found Um, somewhat helpful but just again I feel like everybody is going to be different in what works for them I have traditionally had a fairly body-based life experience like I've always been a dancer I've been doing exercise I'm a yoga instructor I just am a body person right yeah so finding a somatic counselor for me was really great and the whole approach is basically just your usual talk therapy based style but also goes into your body's experience of emotions as well I think if people are interested in somatic work especially around our emotions and how that works with our physical body especially during this really physical time of the perinatal period um, Kimberly Ann Johnson is really good she has a book called Call of the Wild but she's a somatic body worker with women it's really just melding traditional talk therapy a little bit more into your body which can be a really helpful thing because there's a lot of evidence now about the fact that we store energy and emotion in our bodies so it's really good to be able to go a little bit deeper as well something you've spoken a lot about on social media is the notion of mum guilt. And I was hoping you could shed a bit more light about that in terms of your experiences specifically, but also what you try to help other mothers through as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of the intersection of that was just mostly around that whole, what does it mean if if this isn't the most fulfilling thing that I've ever experience what does it mean if I don't actually love every moment of it what does it mean if I want to not be in a traditional role of being at home even when I'm afforded the ability to do so that was a lot for me and I know for lots of women who come to me it's pretty similar it's like what does it mean if I don't feel like spending all of my time with my children does that equate to not loving them could I be doing something better or you know should I be putting myself last I think everybody's coming to me saying that they're sick of putting themselves last but they also don't really understand how to not do that given that we're really socialized as mothers to be the best type of mother in inverted commas is a selfless person Hmm. and you just lose so much of your own (laughs) in that process if that's what you're doing because actually the best mother is a human with needs who if they become completely selfless all of the time 
absolutely is very required, especially in, you know, early times and as part of the role. But we need to be really careful of what we're teaching our own children because I don't think any of us want our own children to be in counselling when their parents going, I can't care for myself because I feel guilty. Mm. We all want for our own kids to know that they necessarily and should be looking after themselves because it's really important. If I can ask, was there a particular moment or a particular catalyst that made you realise that you yourself were doing this? I think from super early on, I was really aware that that was going on. But I think I think that's actually such a good question because I feel like so many people are in that, right? We mm. all know, intellectually, we know like this is so silly, but also we're socialised in that way. It's cultural. So there's this whole narrative of like us as individual mothers need to be nice, kinder to ourselves. We need to take time out. We need to blah, blah, blah. That's great. But we also need society to value us. We also need our families and our communities to give us space and time and support so that we can go and look after ourselves. Mm. It's not to say that we have no agency in it, but to say that it is like on mothers to figure Mm. that out is the problem, right? Like that Mm. is the crux of the issue is like it isn't an individual issue. This is like a structural, cultural thing and the pace that it's moving at to make things easier for parents is so slow, but the pace that we've taken in trying to get everyone to take accountability for their self-care and all this has been so fast that we are in a bind and it's not that there's something wrong with people when they come to me and they're like, I just feel like I have no time and, and I have no ability to care for myself it's not like, oh, there's something wrong with you and you just need to find it. Yes, there's probably ways to find it. But also, this is so freaking hard because it is. Because we don't have enough support. We don't get the right type of value in the work that we're doing. And that does put us in this really weird and hard place. And that is why it feels confusing and hard. I think we understate as a culture just how much the experience is actually so challenging. And that maybe people's response to it if it is feeling challenged by it could be somewhat normal we're really not acknowledging the concept of matrescence which is you know the adolescence of becoming a mother we go through so many changes with our body with our hormones with our identity all of these things and then you add on top you know the changes in our relationships this is like our romantic relationships our relationships with friends because we're not as available and things are different, people having babies at different times and all the things. Mm. Our relationships, you know, with our own body and like sexuality and all of these things and then our own traumas that have come up that that are really triggered by the experiences Mm. of parenting even. So I just think there is so much that will naturally occur Mm. in this perinatal period that can be triggers for that to be really challenging from a mental health perspective. It's not to say, that's definitely to say we need more people, we need more mental health support during this time, but it's also to say we just, in general, this is just, for so, so many reasons, a really tricky time. You're right, there are so many barriers to support or even just validation or some compassion in motherhood. Um, I'm wondering what helped you, I guess, shift from the what does this mean about me as a mother to, okay, I need to give myself a bit more compassion? Um, I think for me it was just the fact that, like, watching myself 
on several occasions, like really having gone to my breaking point and then well past it, it was kind of like, it was almost like the anger and the resentment and all the things just turned into like, nah, that's it. Like I can't, I can't function as a person who like mentally orientates myself in that way anymore. I'm just going to start doing shit. I'm just going to be like, nah, you know, this is what I need to do. This is what needs to happen. Because if it's a conversation of like, oh, you know, do you think that I could possibly do a little more of this? Or do you think, you know, like it just, I don't know, I just, it was like a a mental breaking point of like, nah, if I don't look out for myself first, then nobody does. And that's not even in a way of like, oh, there should have been more people looking after me. Yes, but also as women, we're definitely not taught how to know what we need, say what we need, do what we need, and then actually go through with it. And I think it was just getting so fed up with feeling shitty about putting myself second or third or fourth or fifth or whatever. I'm just going to do it. And then if anyone has a problem, at least I will have got what I needed. (laughs) Because you know what? So many of us, and like I've uh, done a lot more work uh, around boundaries and things than I do with clients a lot. So much of what we're concerned about or what we're thinking about or why we don't have boundaries or enforce them is because there is some sort of thought about what could happen if we actually do it right and it's usually like we don't want to upset people but when you get to a point that you start to like just literally not give a shit anymore because you can't energetically and emotionally cannot live with the way that you have been operating there's something liberating about that because You start enforcing the boundaries and you realize like, oh my God, people can actually respect them. And actually, even if they don't, that's not on you. But in lots of things, I think there's a lot about, like it's more about whether we feel we can cope with somebody else's comments. It's not Mm -hmm. actually about them. It's like, can we cope? And I Mm -hmm. I guess I got to the point where I was like, no, I can actually cope with anything that's going to be said because I will still feel better about making choices that are really good for me so that I can continue to do this mothering job. And I guess on that note, having read your website, you were misticking the boxes, wanting to wear all the hats, getting all the degrees. Has motherhood been able to challenge that need to achieve and be perfectionist and to perform, I guess, or to appease other people? Yes. It wasn't like, okay, I got pregnant, I had a baby, and then I'm like cured of my perfectionism. But I think the process of the last coming up to six years since I got pregnant the first time, there's been so much growth on so many levels. The fact that you're like forced to slow down, like before I had kids, in my work, I was really afraid of like not doing the best. And now I'm kind of like, yeah, but I'll obviously be doing my best, but there comes a point where I can't do more than that. And Mm. I'm not going to push myself to the point of pure exhaustion for that anymore. I can just pass a test. I don't have to get 100%. So I think I don't feel the same at all about about everything, I don't feel as angry as I used to before if I couldn't do things perfectly. If there's any piece of advice you could give to someone in the thick of it right now, someone who has come out of birth, is sitting in that postpartum period, doubting themselves, feeling guilty, what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm incredibly biased, but uh, if you can, definitely talk to somebody about it, whether that is a Panda Helpline, whether that's Gidget Foundation, whether that's going on to COPE or, you know, any of these other kind of national resources we have, Mm -hmm. whether it's going into 
online groups, whether it's going to your mother's group, if you have somebody who you can be honest to, that's a great start. If you have somebody who's trained to help you reflect on it, that's wonderful too. Um, But I think my main thing that I would say to anybody in any part of this that is feeling really hard is this thing, for some reason, this is what always comes to me and it's so weird, but for me, it's always been like, following the gingerbread crumbs to wherever the next best place is so okay if today today you're not gonna build the 10 level high awesome epic gingerbread house but you know what is the next best thing for you to do we don't have to solve every single thing but what does the next best thing feel like if that's one little choice if that's one little thing you can do finding someone who you can talk through what your values are to find like what are the things that you can do even when you feel the most trapped what are the glimmers that we have it's like always just like what is what are those next little steps that feel like really true to who you are because that's gonna get us somewhere not trying to get to goals of what everybody else (laughs) wants us to do it's like let's do what we can to feel all of what feels true to us and then take the next best step from there. And I think that's really solid advice. So thank you so much, Gemma, for coming on and talking to me, for being so open and honest. And please go follow Gemma on Instagram, uh, postpartum like a boss, because she shares hilarious stories about her mother-in-law that gets me going (laughs) every time. I feel like most people are there for the mother-in-law content, to be honest. I mean, obviously I'm there for the other things too, of course. But as you say, humour gets us through and being able to laugh about things, I think you do so well. So thank you for that. Thank you. It's been lovely to be on and, yes, love all the work you're doing too. Thank you to all our listeners for holding space for today's story. If you like this episode, please leave a review and rating to help me bring you more amazing content. Join the conversation and be featured on the podcast by sharing your story through my website, perinatalstoriesaustralia.com. If these stories are a bit too much to listen to or to read right now, then come back another time. Protecting your mental health is the number one priority. As always, this podcast and its associated blog and social media accounts is not a substitute for therapy or for getting help. No medical advice is provided, only lived experiences. If any of this does resonate though, please reach out to a medical professional. See you next time.